Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Audible Farm Podcast. I'm your host. My name's Peter Stockdale. This week, I sit down with Jeremy Ober. Uh, I've looked up to him for quite a while. Uh, he's always present in the scene around me up in northern Iowa. Uh, he travels a lot. He plays a lot of shows every year. It's uh, what he does for a living, and uh, I guess that's every musician's dream. So that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, we sit down, we talk about how he got started playing music, some of his first uh, biggest influences, and uh, we talk about his band's Brutal Republic as well as Lone Tree Revival. Uh, if you ever get the chance, go check them out live, but uh, we'll talk more about it here in the upcoming podcast. I just want to let everybody know that I am uh, fielding offers for sponsors still. I uh, am kind of doing it on the on the side. I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to go about doing it and uh, what the cost rate would be and all that other stuff, but that's just a bunch of nonsense that nobody cares about because they're here to listen to me talk with Jeremy Ober. So let's get to that. This is episode number 12. Jeremy Ober. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. With your host, Peter Stockdale. (laughs) So, uh, I'm sitting down today with Jeremy Ober. I'm going to turn my my mic down just a touch. Alright, I'm sitting down today with Jeremy Ober and, uh, you know, we're just going to discuss a whole bunch of different things. I'm, I've known you for a while. Um, I mean, we haven't really, I guess I would say, interacted on a personal level very much. Right. Um, I mean, maybe in the last ten years or so. But, uh, like, how how did you get started playing guitar? I guess because that's, I mean, it's always kind of. I've always been curious, and for almost as long as I've known you, you've played guitar. Well, um, I started playing when I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just one of those things. I think I was watching a TV commercial, mm-hmm. and Crazy Train came on, nice. and that was like the thing. Like, like from that point, on, I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that." Yeah. And so I got real heavy into. I, I mean, I've always liked music. I always liked music as a kid, but I never really had um, too much of uh, I don't know favorite bands. I'd listen to anything and everything. So that was the first time I really got into a particular type of music i guess so you kind of struck by randy Rhodes, i guess maybe or yeah uh, or and, just and the style of the music time, in I general i didn't even know it was randy Rhodes. you yeah. know i was just like oh i like ozzy osbourne so i you know so I, it took me forever to realize that there were even numerous guitars for ozzy osbourne you know and so so like to me it was just I, i'm an ozzy fan you know um i totally pick up on that because i'm oh jesus i remember one of the first times i ever uh realized that uh, there were like multiple guitarists for multiple bands, and then you start to really listen to it, and you're like, "Oh, I can pick out which guitarist is playing on which album now." Right. You know. Yeah. So, uh, so you kind of liked Ozzy. Was it like the style of music that you liked, or was it like uh, Ozzy in general? Or I guess you know, I mean, it's not as if Ozzy's a great musician in and of himself. He's <laughs> not. He's even. He's not even considered really. You couldn't even say he's a great singer. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> you know? I mean, definitely. He, he's a great product, though. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, I, I, he always surrounds himself with. He's he's kind of like a legend factory, you know. Like everyone, yeah. he, everyone he touches becomes this rock god status, you know. And so and so, I guess you could give him credit for that. Yeah, I wonder what the deal with that is. Like, do you think he has the ability to handpick these people, or do you think he's chucking the amount of cash at them that he? As or, far, as far as I know, yeah, he does. You know, because uh, 
I think it was his last solo album uh, where he got Gus G. Mm -hmm. There were all sorts of people that tried out, and Buckethead actually tried out. Yeah. And auditioned, and uh, Buckethead was actually his first choice in the audition, but Buckethead showed up like in full garb, oh. like he, with a bucket on his head yep. and a mask and everything. Yep. And, and so Ozzy was like, well, you got the job, but... Like, you got to take that mask off. I need to see your face. Ooh. And Buckethead refused. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I was like, well, then you don't have the job. <laughs> yeah. That's actually kind of crazy. I mean, that yeah. is, uh, you hear about that happen a little bit here and there in the music scene where someone's like, we're doing it this way. And a guy says, I don't do that. And, yeah. And sometimes, I mean, it's not like they hate each other for it, but they're they're not making music together. So it's, it's right. maybe it's our loss, but it's I, whatever. I thought Gus G did a fine job. Oh heck yeah, man! Uh, who's your favorite Ozzy guitarist? Then let's let's throw that out there. Oh, that's. I mean, I'd have to say Randy Rhodes. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know why I've always been a Jakey e. Lee fan. Jakey e. Lee, I think, is one of the most underrated guitar players in rock. Yeah. Of all time, but uh, like he, he just doesn't get the credit, you know, that he deserves. Yeah, uh, he was the one that covered uh for Randy when Randy died. Correct. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. He was in between uh, Zach and Randy. Yep. Yep. So, yep. and I always felt like that's kind of like the forgotten era of Ozzy songs. Like you hear them on the radio, but there's only a couple you usually hear. Like what? Shot in the dark, maybe might be one of them. Yeah, shot in the dark, bark at the moon. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are those are some awesome, awesome guitar licks coming out of. Like I don't know why Ozzy's always had some of the best guitarists around, but the dude, the dude is. I mean, even. Going back to his childhood with Black Sabbath, he had Tony Iommi next to him. Yeah. Maybe not being one of the greatest then, but like now. Well, you, Black, you, I mean, Black Sabbath now is like one of my top three bands of all yeah, time. Yeah, now so, it's you know. an easily and arguable one of the best bands. So, yeah. so you, uh, I'm assuming metal is probably your preferred style of music? I can't say it is, no. I, I actually don't like most metal. Yeah. <laughs> most um, metal actually kind of bores me. I, I actually tend to agree. Let me ask you this. Why do you think that is? I, I, it's just, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of predictability to it, you know, especially now, I guess, although I do know some great metal bands. It, it's more like when I do get into a metal band, I'm kind of obsessed with them. Yeah. But there's just few metal bands that I really dig all that much. I totally get you. Um, do you think any of that has something to do with the fact that, like, um, I don't know, most people that like metal music seem to like a certain flavor. Like, um, I discussed this online with somebody the other day, how, like, Iron Maiden style metal is like one kind of general style, you know, and then you've got, um, I guess you could call it like your Ozzy style or like maybe you're even your like motorhead style that's a little bit faster. Right. So there's like a handful of different styles and then you get to the newer stuff where it's like, um, I mean, there's kind of like a disturbed kind of style of metal that's out there too now. And uh, I mean, there's lots of stuff with incoherent vocals that I just lump into one some, but there's tons of people that'll get mad at me for saying that because like, well, this is Doom and Doom's totally not the same as stoner metal. And I mean... Gotcha. I mean, there's just like a thousand different styles of metal, so I would definitely have to say in order to be able to like all of them is kind of, I don't know if anybody actually honestly likes every style of metal. I think I could find, you know, there, there's not any genre or subgenre of music that I can't find good things in. It's just as a whole, it's just not going to hold my interest most likely, you know? Yeah. I, like, I love Iron Maiden, like the next guy, yep. you know? Um Big band for me right now is Mastodon. Heck yeah, uh, dude. I'm a big Mastodon fan. You know, and I've always been like a big Opeth fan. Yep. Um, you know, but then I, I'm, I'm also a Hatebreed fan. I like Hatebreed a lot, too. Yeah, you know? yeah. Stuff like that, you know. But, I mean, the, Mastodon, out of, Mastodon and Opeth, out of those 
bands I just named are the only ones that I where I'll like consistently sit down and listen to them. Yeah, you know. I think uh, Mastodon for them, they've got like some of the best music videos going on today. Like their music videos are yeah. sick. I don't dig music videos. So. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, and I don't. I don't like music videos as a rule. Oh man, that that. I mean, it's whatever, but I, yeah. I definitely recommend watching them because, like, um, I've seen a few. Yeah, they're they're pretty funny. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, even if they're not funny, they're like ridiculously serious, and it makes me wonder who's you know. That's a lot of production going into their mm-hmm. videos. I agree. So, uh, what kind of music do you would you say that you prefer to play then on a guitar? If if metal's not necessarily the preferred. Well, that that that's a difficult thing because we kind of do everything in the Republic, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean I mean we we write metal songs. Yep. You know, and um but I mean we also write country songs and blues songs and folk songs and Oh yeah. What whatever. So I mean it's kind of out of my hands to a certain extent. I mean I might have a subject matter to write about and yeah. usually that dictates what kind of song it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. You know. So I uh I do recall some of your earlier material with uh Brutal Republic being heavier. Mm-hmm. And uh I remember going through a time span where I hadn't heard anything new from you in a while, and maybe that's just because I wasn't looking for it at the time, because, you know, 20s, you know, everybody's 20s are a little different. Yeah. But uh, I, I remember listening to Mason um, at 92.1 play East Side Window on the radio, and I didn't know that was you guys until he had announced it as you guys, and it was one of those things where I was just like, holy crap, this is a long stretch from what I had originally uh had in my mind as to what brutal republic was sure and uh i mean that song is amazing um um, i mean it's it's tough to just sit across the couch from somebody and be like dude the song is so good but dude that's a great song i mean it's it's three chords i mean i've I've heard i've heard a ton of people um you know saying great things about it uh you got a lot of youtube views on that song even i've i've sent it to some people to be like check this out this is a guy from my area wrote this song and people are like holy crap that's a pretty damn good song you know thank you that's kind so uh i mean good music comes out of everywhere let's talk about that music video since we're not you know you're not a music video fan who all's in the music video because there's there's uh some people in there that i may not know directly right so the lineup of brutal republic at that time was uh blake erickson marcus anderson and myself mm-hmm and then we had uh, Chris Carr and Jeff Blummel come in, and they're in the video. Yep. And they and they do the actual backup vocals on the recording of the song. Sweet. Um, and we recorded um, the album that that song is, is off of, Full White Moon. Mm-hmm. And everything on that album is recorded with Chris outside of one song, Five Nights, which was recorded in Otho with Kirk Kaufman. Oh, nice. And so, uh, but Chris had, Chris Carr had a large hand in a lot of things on that album he like he did a lot of playing on it himself yep you know so uh and he produced the whole thing i mean he's one of the best to work with in that capacity yeah so uh brutal republic has kind of like changed over the years do you think that um is it like something that's kind of by your design to just keep it morphing or is it just the way bands do and it just keeps changing and you um i mean i'm assuming you're the figurehead of of brutal republic like that's kind of maybe your baby um more or less i'm the only consistent member yeah, yeah. Um, uh, or you know I'm, I'm the only original member of the band I yeah should say. Uh, that makes sense yeah. yeah yeah um so like what caused all the lineup changes and like what what caused um what caused like the transformation of music styles or is it just kind of uh growing as a musician that has done that um well you know i mean it could be anything you know from 
you, you know, ultimately, yeah, I, I suppose I have to an extent creative control and 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 the say of who's employed, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, for lack of a better word. True. Um, but um, you know, yeah, we, we've gone through a lot of drummers and a lot of bass players and, yep. and stuff, and and sometimes it's just you know, I mean, I mean, at, at this point, I guess. I uh, I appreciate the time that everyone's put into the band, absolutely. And, you know, and, and I and I'll take whatever time they can give me, you know. But sometimes, Bingo. I mean, things change. I mean, people move or they get a different job. Yep. Or, you know, yep. they just got things that go on. So totally, you have to, you have to move on. Um, as far as the style, the styling goes, you know, I don't know if it's really changed all that much. I mean, it probably seems to a large extent that it has, but the album Full White and Moon. I mean, some of those songs that are on that album I wrote when I was 18 years old. Oh, damn. Um, so, you know, those songs have existed for all this time. But, you know, maybe at some point you just didn't have the right players. Yeah. You know, because, yep. you, you know, if you hire a metal drummer and a metal bass player, yep. you know, and then you throw a country song at them. Bingo. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, and, and so right now, you know, uh, we have Alex Trevino and Caleb Ferry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a part-time guitar player, Ronley King. Okay. He'll come in, you know, basically whenever he feels like it or has the time, you know, and he'll yep. play shows with us. That's cool. Um, and so now with these players, we have the capability of basically doing whatever we want. I, I can throw anything at these guys. Nice. And they're going to nail it. You know, they don't have any particular style that they have to adhere to or want to. Yeah. You know. So, uh, I mean... I've I've heard the name Caleb Ferry. He seems like a pretty busy musician. He's um, very busy. Yeah. yeah. Um, drummer, correct? Yep. Uh, I mean, like, what's the? Let Let me get your take on this. Is there like a shortage of drummers in the world? You know, I don't, I don't think so. No, but but it all depends on the scenario. I mean, there's certain drummers that are only going to be able to, you're only going to be able to throw certain things at them. Yeah. You know, um, while while you know, I, I mean, like in the area. In the immediate area, you know, and I, you know, there's there's a handful of like really good drummers. Yep. You know, and Ferry's one of them. Yeah. You, you know, to where there's nothing that you can, there's nothing he can't handle. Yep. Um, and, and it's funny, you know, because we we were on a, we were at a, a spot to where Marcus, you know, kind of became busy with other things in his life, mm-hmm. and so we were like, well, we need we need a drummer that can commit more time, and the first thing I thought was Ferry. Yeah. You know, so I walked into the coffee shop over at Central Perk where he works and I just yep. walked up and was like, Hey, you wanna you wanna come and jam with us? You want would you be interested in working with us? And he said, Yeah. And um he, before that he'd been primarily a punk drummer. He'd never been in yep. anything other than a punk band. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, later on, you know, as he told it, like apparently he was super nervous about it, you know, getting into the different styles and everything. But yep. it, like the first rehearsal, we threw this just monstrous 11 and a half minute song in him with all these time changes and stuff. <laughs> and we're like, let's see how he handles it. And he nailed it. Like, it oh, was that's like crazy. Nothing. So, you know, yeah. It, it was like by the end of that rehearsal, we had this 11 and a half minute song down. That's you know? crazy cool. And so the kid's a monster. Yeah. They're, I mean, there's a, ton of drummers around but i feel like some and it's nothing against some of the people who may not be the quote-unquote best but like some of the most well-versed seem to be like some of the most busy like yeah um you wouldn't be able to pull them away to add another show to them because like some of these drummers are out there in like four five six seven different bands you know and it's 
It's like how do they how do they keep it all straight? I mean, yeah, and Fer- Ferry's very busy because he plays with the Blue Ribbon Ramblers, yep. obviously, and they're very busy. Yep. So I mean, if he's not playing with us, he's playing with them. It, it's very rare that he has a weekend without a show. Oh, jeez. You know, I wonder. So. I wonder. Uh, wonder how many shows he ends up playing a year. How many shows do you play a year? You're you're a pretty busy musician. I I average on two shows a week. Um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you can have a crazy week where you have, like, four shows in a week. Yeah. Um, but on average, it's two shows. So you're clearing 100 shows a year pretty much? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I see your social media presence for uh, the Brutal Republic page is usually pretty good. You're one of the best, I think, at uh, keeping people updated with what's going on on the page and then also sharing it on your personal uh, Facebook page. And I always thought that was one of the best things because uh, you're scrolling through the page and sometimes you scroll through and you just don't see something. Or like, let's say Brutal Republic shares something and it might not show up on my feed, but because you shared it, now it does. And I always feel like that uh, little bit of extra exposure and you're always kind of telling people, well, this weekend I'm going to be here and next weekend I'm going to be there. And there's there always seems to be not just a Facebook event page, but a post that goes along with it. Is, right. is that by like design or is that just uh, what you do or... Yeah, that, that's the only reason I'm on Facebook, <laughs> to be quite honest. Otherwise, I wouldn't even have an account because I'm not, I'm not a social media kind of guy. And, yeah. I, and I'm glad you think I do a good job at it because I, I always feel like I'm horrible at it, you know, and as, as far as – I mean, I, I'm just not great with technology. I'm, yeah. I'm ridiculous with technology, like just ridiculous. <laughs> I can't – like right now, I can't even figure out how to put any apps on my phone because I don't know the password to do it. So. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's rough. But, um, yeah, if, if I can uh, get on there I, I, and, and just let people know, because promotion is part of the package as far as I feel when I book something at a show. You know, I make sure to make flyers yep. and send the flyers to the yep. place and promote it online, and, and that's part of what they're paying us for, not just strictly showing up and making noise. You exactly, know? yeah. So. I feel like that's something that a lot of um, a lot of people undersell is the their, I, I want to say, do obligation but maybe it is their obligation to the to the venue owner or the promoter to do a little bit of your own promoting because i even know like um like down in the des moines area there's there are promoters that will um either hire you for a show or 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 whatever and it's not like you can expect them to do all the promoting because like you are a band and you have a community that follows you online or somewhere too so you've got to do your due part to tell them what you're doing too right i mean because i mean how, how many people that follow Brutal Republic also follow whoever some random promoter is that might be the only other person talking about it? And if they live in, you know, if you're doing a show in, uh, just pick a town, like like Mason, I don't know, Mason City. Let's just say you're doing a show in Mason City, like, and they're hanging flyers up there, you know, because obviously it's close by, but you don't do anything here. Like, nobody here is going to even know. And some people might travel to come see you even. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, uh, I definitely think you've always done a pretty good job with that. Um do you use your uh, Reverb Nation page to do yeah. most of that? Yeah, so everything, almost everything that's posted on Facebook through us is actually through Reverb Nation. All right. Um, and, I mean, the reason I do that is just because it provides a link where people can go and listen to music. Because yep. really that's, I mean, we do have some stuff on YouTube, but YouTube is one thing that I'm really bad at. I, I've, I don't think I've ever put anything on YouTube myself. Oh, damn. Um, so everything that's on YouTube is basically put on there by somebody else. All right. Yeah. And so, you know, the only place to really find, you know, 
music to listen to us online is probably through Reverb Nation. Yeah, yeah. There's no. I mean, let's see here. There's like no SoundCloud. No, none of those other. No, I'm other, pretty. I'm pretty bad at all that stuff. Yeah. But. Well, sometimes you just end up diluting the water if you put it every single place. And I suppose it's uh, it's almost like one of those things where if if somebody can only get something at one place, they're gonna go there to go get it. But if if you tell them you, they can go get it anywhere, then they're just kind of like, well, I don't really care then. Right. You yeah. Know? So sure. it is. It might be one of those types of deals because I uh. Like I always see, I always see your posts from Reverb Nation, and I, and I feel like it, that's where they're from, just because I interact with Reverb Nation, so I see like the formatting of how things come out on there sometimes. Right. And so, but yeah, I, I do have to say that's probably one of the best things because even handling like uh, Three Finger Betty's Reverb Nation page, I'm I don't upkeep it very well, so like that's not the place to go um, for all the the updates. I mean, there's some of them on there, but some stuff is still, I don't know. Like there's shows on there that we had that. Um, got pulled that like it's still listed as like hey we played a show here on this date and we actually didn't so there's there's a couple of those on there but yeah. uh I, I do have to say that like social media is one of those things you ever uh thought about having somebody like record one of your live sets or are there are there any like really good live sets online there's no not any live set our last single that we put out we put out on reverb nation and that um uh brad Holfing. Uh, the bass player for Blue Ribbon Ramblers. Yep. Um, he came and ran sound for us um, at this pipeline protest rally here in town. Yep. Um, and and the guy's just, uh, he's got an engineer's mind. He's a farmer, but but he has a mind of an engineer. Yep. And, you know, I mean, the guy just knows, uh, like, like you, you can sit there and listen to him talk, and sometimes I'm just sitting there nodding politely because I don't understand <laughs> the lingo that he's even throwing at yeah, me, you know. I totally get what but, you're but saying. But he's a super interesting guy, and, and he's got a hell of a mind on him. And so he, he has an interface that he was able to record uh, nice. the set with. And, and truth be told, um, a lot of that stuff just will never see the light of day because I just played really bad that show. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, he, he went through the time and... And mixed up some some songs and stuff, and he's like, "Oh, I got a really good mix on this." And I listened to it. It's like, man, I can't let anyone hear me play like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. That but, is... but we did release. We did a cover of Crossroads, um, okay, the, the old blues tune. Yep. You know, and and so that's our single on Reverb Nation. Oh, cool, so, cool. Yeah. yeah, I definitely have to say, like, um, when I first started doing Audible Farm, I would do like live recordings and live video of bands. And I always waited to get their permission for that exact reason, because what if they thought it wasn't their best effort? Right. And then, you, and even though the audio is good, it's like well, I'd rather have bad audio with a bad effort, because if you have good audio with a bad effort, they can tell uh, the mistakes you're making uh, if they, they compare it to an album, you know. Right. So then it's one of those deals where it's like you. I always every time I ever uploaded anything, I would give it to the band first and leave it private, so they would get to view it and tell me whether or not they wanted me to upload it. And sometimes I've I've had to. Uh, do the the little bit of work ahead of time, show it to the band, and it ends up just getting, you know, thrown by the wayside, which right. which happens. But I I definitely like to do that just for the sake of the band because when I started doing it, I just wanted to make sure that bands that didn't have a platform to display some of their stuff had a platform. You know, if you don't have anything any videos on YouTube, I'll videotape you and I'll throw you up on YouTube, and then uh, like I said, you got to give give it up to the band to let them decide whether or not they want to put it out there. Sure. I mean, I've I've it's been a while since I've seen you play live and I've I've always wanted to come record you play live and I don't know what your thoughts on any of that are, but uh Oh, I'm totally down. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I uh I don't ever use too much fancy stuff for the most part it's just a GoPro and a little digital recorder, but Sure. Um 
So yeah, man. I mean, you uh, were talking about Chris Carr a little bit earlier, and one of the things that I know uh, you do as a job is you do guitar lessons, and uh, Chris has got a music shop, and you do guitar lessons there. Yeah, over at Ace Adult Music. Yep. Um, how did you get started in on that, or how did you get introduced to Chris? Well, <clears throat> I started teaching guitar um, when I was eighteen. Nice. Um, at Riemann Music. Cool. Um, so uh, Shadrick Smith. Yeah, Shadrick. Yeah, I've, yeah, local I've, legend. Yeah, uh, dude. So, so he basically gave me my first real job. I guess it, I've never had to have a real job in my adult life, which I'm very grateful for. I would be too, um, man. So I've been teaching and playing ever since, and so I've been teaching for about fifteen ish years now. That's pretty awesome. Um, and so, at a point, you know, uh, Chris Carr. Um, started up Ace Note Music, and he was obviously a close friend of mine. <clears throat> and so um, I, I told him I, I would teach at his store, but not until Shadrick and Paulette, which were kind of the two figureheads at, at uh, Ream and Music. Yep. I, I told him that it, once they retired, I would I would jump to his store. Makes so, sense. So um, that that's what happened. And... Um, I've, I can't even tell you how long I've been teaching at Aizno now. Time flies now, but um, yeah, yeah, I've been keeping fairly busy with it. Yeah, so you you ended up like filling out all of your I guess due obligations to the people that you owed them to at Remens. Yeah, and then uh, you went over to Eighth Note, started doing lessons down there. I've uh, snuck into Eighth Note a couple times the last couple years and talked to Chris uh, here and there. And I remember one time seeing you were in there with a, a student doing a lesson. You guys got a, like a really cool little lesson room in there yeah. with sliding glass doors and stuff. Yeah. Uh, relatively soundproof. Like I almost couldn't hear anything coming yeah. out of there. It's a, it's a super nice setup. Uh, yeah. Like what do you think is one of the biggest challenges teaching guitar lessons? The, the, the biggest challenge to teaching guitar lessons is just if you have a kid that doesn't want to be there. I mean, you, uh, know, you know, definitely. Because a lot of the time, you'll have a kid that gets signed up, and then you know he's into it for three months, and then he decides what, that he doesn't want to do it. But his parents are like, "Well, you're gonna stick it through," yeah. You know, yeah. which I'm not even opposed to. I'm I'm actually not opposed to forcing a kid to learn something because you know you, you've never heard an adult say, "Man, I wish my parents wouldn't have made me take those piano lessons." They're always grateful for it when they're Ex an adult. Exactly. You know, they're like, "Man, I wish I I just wish I didn't." miss out on all that video game time when i was a kid like <laughs> like you never hear an adult say no, that. You know? that's true so, so so i am I, I i'm not opposed to making a kid learn but it it's tough to deal with sometimes um but at the same time you know i i got plenty of students that are just great you oh know? yeah you know i i got a couple of kids that are just monsters like they're gonna be better than me in two years you know you know like I, they're just monsters i feel the so, hurt man yeah I, yeah I, uh, my very first lesson was, uh, I did a raffle to, uh, give away free lessons and somebody won, of course, yep. and they give their kid the free lesson and their kid like openly just says to me, like, I don't want to be here. I'd, yeah. ra I'd rather be playing video games. So I don't really even care. And I was like, oh man, I just feel like this is like everybody's wasted time and money. And I did my best, but he was just like, I'm not coming back just so you know. And I was like, holy cow. That was my very first lesson I ever gave to that's anyone, rough. and I thought to myself, "Am I cut out for this?" Like, yeah, that's rough. And so from then on out, I said, "The thing I'm going to try to make sure is that whoever's playing guitar with me uh, at a lesson is having fun. That's that's first and foremost. Um, if you're not having fun playing the guitar, 
you're probably not going to be too interested in it. And that was always what I, I didn't want somebody just to like run away again, you know? So I always tried to teach people the basic and the fundamentals while still trying to teach them like songs they enjoy and things like that. Yeah. That's always the goal. You know, I mean, in the end I want to take, I want to take the student wherever they want to go with it, you know, yeah. and those are the easiest students when, you know, I mean, if a kid comes in and he's just like, well, I don't even really listen to music then you know, you're going to have a rough time. Yeah. You know, but, but when you have a kid comes in that says, this is my favorite band, it's like, okay, all well, right, well, let's learn a few chords and mm-hmm. then we're going to start doing whatever you want to do. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes what they want to do is avenge sevenfold, which is rough and it's like well you got to be patient yep. but we can get you there i mean nothing's unobtainable no you know um because when i started playing i mean I, I was starting to play with stuff that was way beyond my my capacity to even do you know like the yeah. second i picked up a guitar i was trying to learn you know metallica and pantera and yep. ozzy and yep, stuff yep, you know yep. and to me it was just i didn't even care i, I was playing the songs poorly and but it but it was i was just having so much fun making noise you know the, the, exactly. the first time i ever plugged in a distortion pedal like i felt like the most powerful person on the earth <laughs> you, know, you know i i just made all that noise yep. I was like, oh this is so cool you know <laughs> talking so, to boss ds1 i'm sure yeah for something like that yeah, yeah. it was yeah. everybody's first distortion pedal i mm. feel like that cheap orange boss one yep, yep. but that one actually that's pretty good distortion pedal for uh, all in all but anyways uh yeah like lessons always seem to be a little bit difficult um what is there anything that you've uh take away from the lessons uh and and incorporate uh whether it be like patience or practice regimen that you recommend to other people and then you start realizing uh if i if i utilize this with my own talents i can push my own talents even even that much further is there anything that um cuz i was it's weird to say this and i feel like i say this too much but i always feel like no matter how untalented someone might be at the guitar i still feel like i can watch them play and learn something from them somehow even if they're like doing something slightly different than i would be doing it it's just like wait that sound is just a little bit different than the sound that comes out of mind when i play the same thing what are you doing differently you know well well the one thing you know i've had some really great students where they uh they just have musical tastes that are musical that they bring in that want to learn that i've never even heard of all right. You know, like, like I had this 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 one kid who's a great player in and of himself, and he, and he came in, and, and he's like, "Well, I want to learn this song, Pretty Pimpin', by Kurt Vile." And 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 the second that I heard that, I was like, "All right," you know. So I look it up on YouTube. Yep. And and then it turned out to be this really awesome song. You know, and it's, it's not what you would expect it to be by the title of it. Yeah. You, you know, because I, cause I was like, man, this is going to be some hip-hop thing where I'm just going to have to figure out some sampling thing and, and teach them. But then it turned out to be this really cool song, and then I started getting into Kurt Vile. <laughs> you know, and, and this Kurt Vile's a great artist. It's, he's kind of like a folky artist. You oh, know? that's cool. And um, so, so there's tons of times where kids will bring in something that really surprises me, um, and then it kind of takes me down another rabbit hole and, and expands Yep. Yeah, you know, because I, because I, I just want to, I, I want to know all about all sorts of good things, you know, and, and so yeah, and, exactly. And, and so sometimes these kids just teach me, you know, new avenues of music that I've never even explored. You yeah, know? makes sense. So yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think is one of the things that keeps you open-minded as far as um, music-wise? Because I feel like I, I would definitely have to say one of my biggest fears starting a podcast and recording other bands, playing music, and, and even just playing shows with other bands was my my own music snobbery was going to get in the way of me enjoying 
other people's hard work. And the more shows I went to, the less I found myself disliking things. I realized that, like, I knew how much hours these guys put into this because how many hours I put into it. And you could see how tight other bands were. And, it, and that just doesn't happen, you know. And so you start really appreciating all the work that everyone's putting into it. And it helps you appreciate their art a little bit. And Well, I'm, 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 obviously I love live music. You know? Yes. So, so I mean, sometimes it's a rarity that I get to see it because you know I'm busy. Like yep. we're all on the same schedule. Yep. So, so, so it's rough to get out to shows sometimes. Yep. Um, but um, as as long as a band plays tight, I'm gonna enjoy their set. Yeah. You know, live. You know, it might be a band into which I would never buy their album. Yeah. You know, because it's just not my thing. Uh huh. Um, but if they play tight, I'm, I'm gonna be good with it. Um, and I, and I am kind of an asshole about a lot of things concerning music. And so it's just one of those things, you know, the, the smallest things can, can turn me off of a band or a song, you know, yeah. um, because I'm a songwriter before anything else, uh-huh. um, before I'm a guitar player, before I'm a singer. Um, so, I mean, just, just a stupid lyric can, can ruin a song. For yeah. Me. You, you know? I totally feel you. And and so it, it's one of those things. Uh, it, it's much. It's a much different um, experience for me to listen to a recorded piece of music as opposed to a live piece of music. Yeah. Um, and 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 sometimes a good song, even when played poorly, can be very enjoyable to me. You know? Oh yeah. If, if it's got a good lyric line and, and and an overall like the right idea, but you know that's that's why guys like Bob Dylan. You know, did such a good job because exactly. I, I mean, he's you know like top three songwriters of all time in my book. You know, yeah. but he didn't always sound pretty doing it. Bingo. You um, know, same same with Leonard Cohen. You know, he's a, he's a big songwriter. You know, God to me. You know. Yeah. So, but he didn't always sound pretty. I uh, we're gonna touch on the Bob Dylan. Some people that know me know I'm not always like the biggest Bob Dylan fan, and I gotcha. base and I base like ninety percent of it on the fact that his voice sounds like he's got a clothespin over his <laughs> right. nose. You right. Know? Yeah. And I don't know why, like, but that's the disconnect that I'm talking about. Where like you can easily disconnect from anything that sounds like that, and and for some reason to me it's just like so blinding, where it's like I know the dude's writing good words, and like he's obviously like a, the best poet of our you know modern era maybe. But it's just one of those deals where it's like, oh, I just, I can't stand it. I just, yeah, I just yeah. can't stand it, man. I don't know why, but see, see, a vocalist is the last thing to ever win me over to a song or a band. So, so the voc, the vocal qualities is something I just don't really care about. Um, as long as they're hitting the notes. I mean, if they're hitting sour notes, yeah, that's one okay. thing. That, yes. But, but you know, but you know, the texture of 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 someone's vocals is really pretty. Uh, it, it's it's just not something I care about. You know, I'm I'm a huge Neil Young fan. Yeah. You know, and, and people don't like Neil Young for that same reason. And that's the other weird thing. Why do I like Neil Young, but I don't like Bob Dylan? You know, Neil Young sounds like he's crying to you. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. But but I mean, if if, if vocals were what won me over, I'd I'd like a lot more bands because there's tons of bands with just super vo- vocalists. You know, that are fronting the band, but their lyrics are so bad, I just. I can't give them the time of day. Yeah, you know? but I'm an asshole on such things. I so I get it. Uh, I was kind of wondered that. Like sometimes you do listen to bands and you're just like, wow, they uh, 
this is like this is like a twenty dollars song with ten cents worth of lyrics, you know, like yeah. And then you think to yourself, like, I wonder if I wonder if the guy saying these words wrote all these words, or if he's actually like saying them out loud and somebody else wrote them. And every time he says them, he's just like, I can't believe I have to go out here and say this every night. You never know. You never. But but either way, I mean, if, if that's the way it is, you ought to make a stand. Uh, in, in my mind, like don't yeah. don't do it if you don't want to do it. Oh, bingo! But, yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean. I guess that's that's a good life lesson for anything there. You yeah. know, don't do it if you don't really want to. Yeah. Um, so let's talk also about we uh we did a little bit of talking about Brutal Republic, but you also play guitar in Lone Tree Revival. Who all is in Lone Tree Revival with you? So Lone Tree Revival consists of Dan Cassidy, uh nice. Tim Miller. Cool. Uh, Steve Nelson, so so Dan Cassidy on trombone, Tim plays trumpet, yep. Steve Nelson plays sax, mm-hmm. Sean Menekis is the other guitar player, Jeremy mm-hmm. Pearson is the bass player, and Dean Davis is the drummer. Nice. I uh, I was taught my junior high, um, I, I learned trumpet in, in school, and, and Tim Miller was my uh, band instructor. Okay, gotcha. High. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a ridiculously talented musician there. Oh, uh, yeah, he's a monster. Sure. Like, yeah. I'm sure you could put literally any musician or any instrument in front of him, and he could play up there with the best of the people in the area. I mean, it's he's he's that good at pretty much everything. Yeah, and it's uh it's pretty crazy. What kind of music would you call that? Um, you guys are all playing. Like, well, I mean, it. it I mean, in essence, it's a rock band. Yeah. But but I mean, it, it's horn-driven rock. You know, so I mean, the vast majority of what we do is covers. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, so it's a lot of Chicago. Nice. Um, a, a lot of, you know, Ides of March. Cool. Um, we do some James Brown, you know, Tower Dude, of Power stuff. Sweet. So So uh, Bruno Mars. Uh, like, like, we do just a wide variety of stuff. Um, and, and we have, uh, the, the nice thing about the band is that there's three vocalists. Yep. So, you know, as opposed to The Republic where I have to sing. Yep. You know, if we do a four-hour show, I'm singing for four hours. Yep. You, you know, um with Lone Tree, you know, I'm only singing a third of the songs. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the time I can just sit there and dink around on guitar, have yeah. a good time with it. Yeah, that's um, pretty so cool. So it's a nice change of pace, yeah. Uh, how did all that come about? Um, I mean, like, whose idea was it? Did you join in after it was already started, or how did all that come down? Well, um, so the Republic hosts uh, Jam over at Patty's Pub. Yeah. Every third Thursday. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I've... I play with uh, Tim Miller, Dan Cassidy, and Steve Nelson in the Humble Big Band. Yeah, okay, cool. And so uh, one day I uh, decided to try to get them in the house band for one of the jams. Awesome. And, and they thought it was a cool idea. So they did that, and I and I roped Sean Minicus into it. And then after that, Sean was like, Sean kind of took the reins after that and was like, let's make a band out of this. Yeah. So, so ultimately, it's kind of Sean, Sean's baby. Nice. You know? Yeah. Um, but it, it's a pretty easy gig because, you know, I mean, Dan Cassidy is, you know, one of the top musicians in the area. Yep. And he writes all the horn charts. Oh, cool. And he writes, he writes horn charts like someone writes a sentence. Oh, like, like, yeah. You know, I, I mean, he'll just sit there and handwrite all that stuff like, like you know he's writing a letter to someone that's crazy like he knows what's he knows what they sound like in his head and he just writes it oh that's insane yeah i've always thought that was nuts and and so um we got a show coming up on new year's eve at patty's pub with lone tree cool and um i'm pretty excited because he actually took one of the songs for the republic it's called mardi gras 
and he wrote horn parts to it. Oh, neat. So I just got to hear that for the first time, our last rehearsal, when I was on Cloud Nine. So That's sweet. Having Dan Cassidy write a horn part, horn chart to uh, one of your songs is pretty cool. That is pretty awesome. I, uh, <coughs> excuse me. I, uh, I don't know if I've ever, I mean, like, I'm pretty self-conscious when it comes to songwriting because, I mean, I will be brutally honest with it, but like I'm, I'm not the greatest songwriter, and that's one reason that I don't like to particularly just go out and write songs and show them to everybody. But uh, I think a lot of that just comes from the fact that I, I'm around so many people who are so good at, at songwriting, and maybe I need to be less self-conscious about it to get better at it. But I, I don't know what it would be like to write something and then have other musicians add to it and increase the value of it. Um, I always thought that'd be something pretty cool. And I mean, I mean that's one of the reasons I joined a band was because um, the guy... At, uh, John Waugh and Three Finger Betty writes most of the stuff, and I I had a little bit of extra spice here and there to some of the stuff just to try to see what I can do. And he says he enjoys it, and I'm I'm glad just to add to it. But I, I don't know, like, how cool is the feeling of, of writing music and then having people add to it, even uh, after the fact? Like, even after the song's been recorded and written and everything, and somebody being like, oh, I even tweaked it further. It's almost like a remix. Or, like, how does that all feel? Like, uh, uh, Well, it's great. I mean, to be honest, Mardi Gras did write for the purpose of having horns too. Oh, okay. So, so, so I did, I did bring it to the table because I, because I left a lot of room in there for horn parts. Uh huh. Um, you know, and it's not the typical kind of thing that the Republic would do. It's a very strange song in comparison to a lot of our other stuff. Yeah. Um, because it's it's very jazzy, but um, you you know, I mean, it's still a Republic song. We'd still do it live. Yeah. As the Republic, but um, um. <coughs> Pardon me. So, uh, I mean, you you don't play it with the horns when you would go play it uh, live with the Republic, then. right? Because right. I mean, you guys don't have the horns with you, right? But we have Alex Trevino too on bass. Oh, cool! And um, Alex Trevino is probably the most um, capable musician out of all of us in the Republic. You know? Oh yeah. So he went to Berkeley on a music scholarship. Oh, damn. And um, he was playing in a couple of jazz ensembles in New York for a while, and then he played in Nashville for a while. Jesus. And um, the dude has a musical mind like you wouldn't believe. He's left-handed, so he plays a left-handed bass. Yep. But he'll come, just this last Saturday, he showed up with a guitar, but he plays a right-handed guitar upside down. What? You know, and yeah. he's a better guitar player than me. Yeah, that's, you know, that's as, nuts. As, as that goes. So, like, his, his understanding of, you know, an instrument is far different than how I understand that instrument to work, you know, yeah. that he can do that. Um, and so, you know, speaking of how someone will add to a song that you write, I mean, it's very much that way even in the Republic, because even though I, I write all the songs, you know, I don't write bass parts. Yeah. And so I just bring it and I'm like, here's a key, do whatever you want, you know. Yep. And he does. That's pretty sweet. Uh, I mean... I guess it just comes down to writing the song. I mean, what got you started into songwriting even? Like, what was the, the thing that made you sit down and be like, I'm going to start writing music as opposed to just, you know, playing Metallica songs? Well, I actually started writing music before I ever even bought an instrument, you know. Um, my first band was a pretty ridiculous scenario because it was just me and a bunch of friends in school. And uh, we all decided what instruments we were going to play before anyone owned an instrument. It's like, okay, you'll be guitar, you'll be guitar, you'll be bass, you'll play drums, you'll sing, you know. And, uh, you know, and so that was in high school. And so we all bought our instruments. And I, I already had, like, two songs, quote, yeah. unquote, written, you know, uh -huh. where I wrote lyrics. And, um, and then I put 
just these awful guitar parts to him afterwards, you know, like yeah. two days after buying my guitar, you know, and we started playing and, and we, I mean, we played shows. I mean, we were awful, um, <laughs> but it, it was a good learning experience. You know, you got to write some bad stuff, you know, but we thought we were going to be like the next Slipknot or Cannibal Corpse or something, uh, you yeah. know, like, like we were, we, we were just like, oh, we're going to be this great metal band, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, um, one of the guys still plays professionally. Uh, well, nice. the drummer that we eventually got still plays professionally, but I think out of the, out of that whole band, you know, we're the only two that still kind of do it. Yeah. I, um, I mean, was that like high school, junior high? What, like about what? High school, yeah. yeah. So 16 was yeah. how old I was, you know, and eventually we got Mitch Nordine. He played in my first band. Oh, he was cool. the second drummer in my first band, you know, and he plays with Road Hard uh-huh. and, uh, Seven minutes to midnight. I think I that, believe. I think that's right. I'm. I mean, you're you're probably honestly like more well versed in this music scene than I am, just due to the fact of your like exposure to every single corner of what I would call our area. Because how how far west to how far east do you play? I mean, have you played as far as Sioux City out west? I've never been in Sioux City. I mean, we've gotten over every border except for what uh, south of us. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, but that's a rarity that we ever get across the border and, and play outside of Iowa. Yep. Uh, but ultimately all over Iowa, you know. Um, but a lot of it, you know, we don't play a lot of big towns. Um, so most of the places we play are small towns, but just yep. far away, yeah. you know. I mean. Like we spent time in Fort Madison. Okay. You know. Um, but a lot of the towns that I've played over the years, I couldn't even remember enough to tell you their names you know I mean, yeah. but, but the small towns are where we have our best shows i mean exactly people show up for it, them i feel like the people in the small towns appreciate somebody stopping by playing music yeah. um i mean if there's less to do and and you become focal point of entertainment in a small town especially with a bar and it's not that everybody in small towns drink but you know every small town's got a bar and it's for a reason yeah. so yep. i uh i've definitely i've always been um uh, I mean, jealous isn't the world word, but it's like uh, wowed by the fact that you could. You, it seemed like every single weekend you were going, and sometimes it was one direction on one day and the opposite direction on another day. Right. And so, do you like? Uh, do you have any like rhyme or reason as to how you go about getting these these gigs, or do you just kind of book them as places get a hold of you? No, you know, there's a portion of my day every day that I'm calling places, you know, and um, I just cold call them on a phone. Oh. Heck, that works. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, sometimes places will get a hold of me, and there are places that we do consistently play. Yeah, totally. But I'm always trying to look for new places, new towns that we've never been to. Yeah, I mean, know. always get some new exposure and stuff like that. Yeah. I, uh, I will have to say you've always always done a really good job of playing a lot of different venues, and I've, I've always thought that was pretty cool because, I mean, the handful of bands that I'm in, we seem to venture to the same handful of venues i mean a 10 or less uh for both of the bands i've been in i mean i've only been in unity for a year or so and we've only played like five shows so far right i've yet to hear unity uh oh man i i think you dig it but uh you know it comes right back down to what flavor of metal you desire so right but 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 dang man i'm having a blast playing with those guys it's uh something that definitely was like uh a wake-up call as far as getting my chops up because uh it's it's a completely different it's a completely different thing when you're playing punk music with power chords and you're only just smashing on your neck with two fingers and, yeah. and just going the, the whole night doing that for the most part 
or articulating and i mean you can just watch it the way my right hand moves with uh unity it's it almost never moves from the bridge and then with you know three finger betty i'm just all over the map on it because it doesn't really matter so much uh, right. if you're just going to play power chords yeah but yeah I, I totally dig the unity thing um and I, I i wish i could had the like ability to play more places but i also do understand some people's uh reluctance to have punk bands come and play in like a small town because it's not going to be the, the biggest draw as like a cover band or or maybe like a country band or, or a single guy with an acoustic guitar or whatever you know and and I mean, I get it. It's just the way that the music scene works. But, right. Uh, and, and, you know, at one time, the Republic was the same way. I, I mean, you know, because, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think he ever could have considered a full-on metal band strictly. I yeah. mean, it's either metal or hard rock, you know. Uh-huh. But, but at this point in time, you know, I've kind of, we've uh, been able to fill just about any niche. So, so there, there's, yeah. not, there's not much of any bill that we can't show up and play. I mean, outside, you know, we, we probably couldn't hang on a punk bill. Yeah. And, well. and and we couldn't hang on, like, a reggae bill or a hip-hop bill. But but, <laughs> but outside of that, you know, we, yeah. we could we could do a set in just about anything and I think keep people fairly enta- entertained yeah. at, by the end of the night, you know. And, and that's kind of what I've always wanted, you know. Um, not that it was a goal as far as songwriting goes, but, I mean, just we have the songs to yeah. be able to do that in my opinion. Yeah. And so, you know, there's not, we, we can fill a four hour show in a, in a bar right now. So. Yeah. I, uh, I always try to think about that. Um, as far as like what a band is and how well they will mesh up with another band. So like, let's say you're trying to set up a show and it's, it's kind of metal ish, you know, like can, can these bands fit in with it? Like, or, or not. And that's why I always thought it was kind of funny about three finger Betty. Like, it's called punk music, but is it really punk? I don't know. It's, like, got a lot of rock and roll in there, but it's, like, also super fast. So, I mean, we get lumped in with a lot of metal guys a lot of times or, like, even, like, pop punk guys sometimes. And it's, like, well, this is totally not, like, Blink-182 punk. It's it's completely different style of punk. But it's, you know, I don't know. I, I always thought that it was kind of funny that Three Finger Betty was a little bit in the same realm where we could, like, go from anywhere from pop punk to metal and, like, rock and roll anywhere in that little triangle we fit in pretty well. Right. And uh, I, yeah, in the early days of the Republic, you know, we played a lot of shows with death metal bands, you know. And, you know, as far as that goes, you know, I mean, we do have some heavy songs, but as far as a full set goes, no, we, we don't, in my opinion, we don't fit, you know. And, and there there would be some shows where there's a disconnect with people who show up and yeah. play, you know, death metal. But, you know, by the end of the night, there was always people who I, I think appreciated it, you know. A lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of the guys' girlfriends like <laughs> liked our set just fine, you, you know, because uh, you know, they've probably been sitting around like listening to death metal for like over and over again, yeah. and, you know, and, and who yeah. knows what they like. So, so it's kind of like, you know, a breath of fresh air, I guess, yeah. in the night that we're not quite so heavy, exactly, because you know, because we can't. I mean, we can't maintain that heaviness for yeah. a full set. You know, we might have a, a couple songs that we can get that heavy, but. Um, you've been playing a lot longer than I have, like around the area. Do you feel like there's uh, more or less uh, metal bands out there nowadays, or um, especially like in the Iowa scene? Because like right now, I I don't think there's as many as there used to be, but I still feel like there's. It seems like a lot. Well, that 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 that's a hard one for me to say because yeah, um, it's it. I was aware of a lot more in the beginning. Yeah. Because that those were all my friends. 
you know, that we were playing with. And we were playing like 45-minute sets a lot of the time, like these Moldavian yep. Bills. Well, we don't do that anymore. Uh, we might have an opener come, uh-huh. or we might open for somebody. Uh-huh. Um, but, I, I, you know, I really don't like to do more than two-band Bills anymore. Yeah. Um, because there's just so much teardown and setup time. Yep. And, and those are the moments in a show where it gives people a chance to leave. Bingo. You know, and, and so... Ultimately, most of the shows that we do, we're doing a four-hour show, yep. and we don't take breaks. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, we do a straight four hours of, of music. Yeah. Um, but we do we do like to have openers. That that does take a little bit of weight off of our shoulders. Yeah. Um, but as far as the metal bands go, yeah, I was aware of a lot of them. You know, there, there was uh, Stab Corp was a big band that came around here. Yeah. Uh, you know, something like you know, 13 years ago, <laughs> yeah. It, you know, uh, uh, dirt nap was a big one. Onslaught was a big one. Yep. Um, um, kill pact was a big one. Okay. You know, um, and, and they, they, you know, to this day, I'm fans of them, you know, you know, yeah. pain face. Okay. Pain, yeah, pain face is one of my favorite Iowa metal bands of all time, Yeah. you know? And, um, but most of these guys aren't around anymore, you yeah. know? And and so right now it's just hard for me to say because we don't do bills like that and all the metal bands do like these three or four band yep. bills. Yeah, so it's like a different scene. So you, maybe it's just l- lack of exposure on your part. To I the, would say the, so. That kind yeah. Of stuff. There there did used to be a pretty hefty metal scene that came around to Fort Dodge about thirteen to twelve years ago. Yeah. But no, that doesn't exist so much anymore around here. Yeah. You know, I don't know about Des Moines. I don't play Des Moines much at all anymore because um you know i'm a full-time musician yep so this is what pay my pays my bills and des moines doesn't pay anything I, yeah so. that, that has always been I, I almost feel like every single podcast that gets brought up um like pay structures and how they differ uh even from like one town to the next or like regions around towns to the next Right. Um, a lot and, of a lot of places that have most of the music in des moines that have most of the promotion and exposure are uh, either pay to play or you get bar cuts or uh, sometimes they'll pay you um, flat out right but um, it's just the way it works and like I mean that's not going to cut it for you you're not going to go down to Des Moines and play for four hours and get 18 bucks or right. or even like 72 you know it's just like yeah it's, it's, it's not even feasible you know because I'm paying bills with, yep. with this is this is my job yeah I mean you after know? you after you pay all your gas off to drive there and back and then you played for four hours you made 16 dollars an hour and then it's like that doesn't even yeah for four hours it just doesn't I, I totally get it and it's I feel like a lot of that is uh um maybe the fact that uh, it's not like a diluted pool but it just feels like there's so many fish in that pond down there that in order to give everyone the exposure that either they deserve or they want, it takes it has to take something out of somewhere. And you can't hire, you know, eight bands a night to fill out the Vaudeville Muse for 100, 200 bucks each because that's 1600 bucks and you're not bringing that in. Precisely. You know, so um, you end up running with a situation where. You're going to have to have a couple people come in for free. You might pay one band. You might pay two. Maybe you'll pay them all, but they're all going to get a small cut. So you end up with those weird, like, $33 paydays or some something like that, you know. And, um, I mean, that's just the way that it goes. And it, it I have noticed that a little bit uh, in traveling outside of Des Moines. Some, some venues do uh, pay out more. But, I mean, it still depends on what cities you go to because I've played uh, – 
like places like Iowa City, and it was kind of the same deal where it's like we'll pay you a cut of the bar because mm-hmm. it's your you know first time here where you're doing a weeknight show and there's no big headliner, so we don't know how many people are going to come, so we can't guarantee you any money. And it's like I get it, like I totally get it. You're not going to give us each band a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks each or whatever, and then have nobody show up because then. Like, you didn't do your part, we didn't do our part, nobody came here, and it's not anybody's fault, but now you're out 200 Like, I get it. It's business decision. Yeah. Well, a lot of it's just by business model, you know? I, I mean, you know, when we first started playing, my first band, we started playing House of Bricks in, like, no time. You oh, know? nice. And and they started high, but they hired us no questions asked. Yeah. You know, like, we were just, hey, we have a band. Yeah. And we come, and they're like, well, we have this day. They didn't check us out or anything. We were awful. Yeah, like well, we weren't good. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, and and that's that's a bad business model. Yeah, you know, and, and I have pretty strong opinions on such things. You know, I, I mean, as a venue, I, I mean, House of Bricks was cool. It, it was a cool place, and, oh, they yeah. had, and they had a heck of a sound system, a yep. great sound guy. Oh yeah. Um, but there's no way that my first band should have been hired to play there. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, I mean, because it's just it it. We weren't ready to be in that scene. Yep. And uh, so, you know, with any venue, consistency is key. I mean, you have to be consistent in having music, and you have to have good music. Because the second yes. that you have people that show up and see, you know, a bad band, mm-hmm. like, what's going to make them come back? Exactly. You, you know, and, and and there was all sorts of other things in the Des Moines scene, you know. You know, I lived in Ankeny for a while, so that made it easier uh, for a second, mm-hmm. but you know when I didn't, I'd send them flyers, and you know you'd you'd show up to the venue and your flyers weren't hung up. No, like, well we don't hang up flyers. You got to hang up the flyers here. It's like yep. man, I sent them to you in the mail. Like, I'm not gonna yeah. drive two hours to hang up flyers on your window. Exactly. Like get some tape, hang it up on your on your window. Yeah. You know. Yep. And, and so I mean, and House of Bricks ultimately failed. Yes, it did. You know, and yep. for good reason. Yeah. You know they should have because because it was a bad it was a bad business model. Yeah. And you I- know. And I was I was always kind of surprised at that place because they would they would run shows for a long period of time with almost nobody in the building. Because I remember going there to see bands I liked, and and just because I like them doesn't mean anybody else doesn't like them or whatever. But like some unsigned band from Atlanta that I go to see, and there's nine people there. Yeah. You know, and it's like oh, I don't know how much they got paid. I don't I don't know how any of this went down. Who knows? But the long and short of it is is nobody's here. And I mean, I was underage, so I couldn't drink, but I could still get in there because at the time Des Moines didn't have their weird laws about yeah yada yada you're not old enough to be in a bar past yep. nine or whatever it was but yeah i just go hang out there and stuff and it kind of I, I always wondered how the place stayed open you know because even they'd, they'd even do some weird stuff like we're going to do a battle of the bands and then the place is packed front to back and it's like is this what is sustaining you for the whole rest of the year or exactly it's hard to say you know i've been to shows at house of bricks where there was a good crowd i've played a couple of them where there was a lot of people there. Yep. You know, but I played a lot of shows to an empty bar at House of Breaks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. you know, just, just where there's no one there. And, and which isn't necessarily a bad thing from a musician's point of view. I mean, it, it's good. These are all learning experiences, Bingo. you know? Yes. And, and, and so this is how I learned to conduct business mm-hmm. in, in the music industry. And, and so now I know, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's more for me to learn. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, but, I mean now I, I have, you know, after 15 years, thank God, I, I have a little bit of a better head on me yeah. and, into which I can conduct business and, and know our worth. Exactly. And, um, you know, if a bar doesn't want to pay you, you know, you know, there was a time into which I would have talked them down to what they wanted to pay me. And, and mm-hmm. now it's just like, well, if you don't, if, 
yeah, I mean, if you don't want to pay us what we're worth, then yeah, we're not showing up. Uh huh. You know, and it's not, and and I'm sure that sounds cocky to a certain extent, but well, otherwise you're getting I. Okay, um, I know where you would think that, but it's if you don't know your worth, someone's going to take advantage of you, and that doesn't matter if you're a musician trying to get paid or anything. And the music, yeah, and the music business is a shady business. There's a lot of shady people in this business. Bingo. You know, there's a lot of big talkers mm-hmm. that come around, yep. and, and eventually you got to learn your lesson and yep. and know when someone's just talking and when someone actually has something to say. Bingo. So, yeah. Um, the first gig I ever did that I got paid for, I. I played, uh, let's see here, Vic Ferrari played at Livermore Days uh, in Livermore, Iowa, and they played there like almost every single year. Mm-hmm. And so I I ended up doing the um, the swimming pool had a show in the afternoon, and so our band ended up playing the swimming pool, and we show up, we play, and then when it's all said and done, it's time for us to get paid. We ended up getting a smaller cut than we originally were supposed to, and it ended up being this big deal where they're like, oh, well, you guys didn't fill out, you had took a little break here, and it's like just... I under I figured out that they were gonna try and swindle us one way or the other, and and they did, and they just I don't know, because what are you gonna do? You know, just yell at them, you know, in front of everybody. It doesn't make any sense, but yeah. So that that's kind of what taught me to like adjust my business model, and and you know, make sure that somebody values you as much as you value yourself, and you're not just going somewhere with like a giant empty promise. And right. Um. It, and sometimes it's even a scenario into which you show up and you understand the deal going into the night to be one thing and then it turns out to be another yeah yeah you, you know um and and so there there was one show at house of bricks and i and i won't name the headlining band because i don't like speaking poorly of people on a public forum it totally makes sense but but it, it was a big band okay and um they were the headliner uh-huh. Every, the place was packed for this headliner nice and we show up and they're like you're headlining it, you know, and there was one particular guy in the band, which is why everyone showed up to see. Oh, nice! And I, I pretty near got in a fist fight with him in the alley, you know, over it. You, you know, yeah. and and uh, you know, it came down to a vote. It, this was the original lineup of the band. I got outvoted, uh-huh. and so we played. We headlined the show, and af- after their set, the place just cleared out. Yep. You know, and and it was at that point to where I was like, we're never going to be pushed around again like that. You know, like I, I would have rather not played the show. Uh-huh. And at least had a little bit of dignity, you know, exactly. r- rather than show up and have someone just push you around be- because there was no reason for it. There, yeah. you know, and and so we tr- the, the the one thing ab- about the Republic is, is is if we have an opening band, um, you you know we we want to treat them right and pay them, yeah, you, you know, and and when we bring acts to uh, Fort Dodge, you know, like uh, Super Chief, Super Chief is my favorite Des Moines band right now. Nice. And and we brought them here for an opening act yep. and people ate them up. Like nice. they killed it, you yep. know. And and so so the idea is like, we'll come back, open up for us one more time. We'll pay you this much. Yep. And then the next time you come back, just do your own show because I mean, you know, they had such a good reception coming into Fort Dodge for the first time. Yep. That 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 it's like, man, you guys can kill it and and you don't you, you know, I, I mean, I'm not sure how they do in Des Moines, I, but I know the Des Moines scene's not great as far as that. I mean, they're plenty busy, yes. and, and, and they have a good fan base, yes. you know, because they're killer. They're an awesome band. But it's like, man, you guys should have a good fan base here, uh-huh. you know, and they can come to a place and, and get paid, yep. you, you know, what, what they're worth, yeah. you, you know, because 
they're killer. Like I listen to their CDs all the time. You uh-huh. know, like I'm I'm just like a rabid Super G fan at this yeah, point. You know, nice. like I, I just think they're just awesome. You know, <laughs> and and so that that that's kind of the point of us even bringing opening bands around is because you know, you know, like they're big fish in the pond of of Des Moines. Yep. You know, but but four dodges never heard them. Yeah. You know, and and they should come around because four dodge is going to eat them up you know oh and, yeah and they, totally you know but we'd like to bring bands in like that yeah because the more the merrier I, I mean right now the the scene in fort dodge i think is the strongest it's been in 10 years yeah um, you know i mean i would i would liken that to uh i mean first and foremost the musicians getting together working hard and doing what they're doing what they're doing yeah but uh i mean I, I always like to throw Mason's name in the hat. Mason's been doing a really good job of promoting yep. the local scene um, for Dodge surrounding, like, all the way down to Des Moines. I mean, I know he's gotten a hold of bands from southern Iowa even. I mean, he does a really good job of... Yeah, and um, he's a musician himself. Yeah. Yeah, because the night before Thanksgiving, we played with his band, the Hampson Devils. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and so, and so it, it was hilarious. We, we made this big... You know, it's the cat's out of the bag now. Yeah. Our feud was fake. You, yeah. you know, so yeah. we had this big professional <laughs> wrestling feud with these guys, yep. and, and we were going around, you know, defacing all of our flyers around town and stuff, yep. and, yeah. and, and it was hilarious. And then we did a whole interview where we were mad at them and stuff. And, <laughs> and Gold money, yeah, dude. It was great. I love it. But but they're hilarious. That Hampson Devils are a great act. They, they really did a good job and made people laugh and and. Joel Hamlow is in that too, and, and he's just a stellar musician in and of himself. Yeah. You what, know. what kind of music is it? Um, well, it's acoustic. It's just a two man act. Okay. You, you know, so it's, so it's almost, you know, I, I don't want to say it, but like a tenacious D ish yeah. kind, of, kind of vibe, you know. I, I pick up what you're putting down. Yeah. It's tough to be like, it's like tenacious D, and then everybody just thinks it's, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but no, it's unique in, in and of itself, and, and their yep. onstage banter is hilarious and, and unique, and, <laughs> and they do a great job, you know. I, so. I feel like some of that stage presence is some of the funnier things. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a house show this weekend, and, and John introduced a song um, in one of the funniest manners, and, I, and I'd love to... I'd love to say what it was, but I also would have to say just come to a show and check it out because he might introduce the song again there you go. at a show sometime soon. There you uh, go. I meant to get to that show too, but the road scared me off. So, I don't don't so, blame you, man. I, I, I'm a typical Iowan. Oh man, scared of the roads. I, I don't even think they were bad that night, as they, it turned out. They weren't as bad as they could have been, but like it was, you know, later in the night it got got worse. Yeah, as I, soon as I, we were done playing, I I sent the guys back to Des Moines. I said, I sorry, I, sorry, I, I couldn't make it, man. No, I don't I meant re- to make that show. No, that's cool. I mean, we'll uh, we'll try to make another one. We're trying to book a show up in Humboldt. Uh, coming up here soon so if if that comes to fruition i'll definitely let you know about that there you go but uh i mean it's like you mentioned earlier as a busy musician yourself you might be hard pressed to even have free time to get to the show you know because it's it is pretty tough believe it or not like i um my first exposure to that was i believe it or not pro wrestling i went to all these independent pro wrestling shows and Mm -hmm. i always wanted to see other guys wrestle so i always wanted to go places and it's like, well, this guy's wrestling in Chicago on this, you know, this weekend. It's like, well, that weekend's also the weekend I'm going to Minnesota because I want to see that guy. So you'd always have to like cut your losses. And I wasn't ever a wrestler, but like, I wonder if the wrestlers kind of felt the same way, where it's like, dude, one of my buddies is wrestling here, and I don't get to see him because I'm wrestling over there, you know. So like, on the very off chance they ever get a, either a free weekend or on their on the same show, yeah. But, and that's the thing is you don't you we were just talking you don't play too many shows with other people now. Um, Not too many. No. no. So. uh 
Anything else? Like, what kind of shows you got coming up? Let's let's do a little bit of quick promotion here because we're getting kind of close to an hour. So, um, uh, shows coming up with the Republic. Um, you know, I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head. We do have a couple booked in Iowa Falls. Yeah. And that's about it. We're uh, we're getting actually ready to go back in the studio. Oh, cool. Um, so we put out an album about oh, it must have been twelve or thirteen years ago now. Um, called Pioneers of Another Day. So that was our first album. Uh-huh. And um, we just didn't have the funds or the time mm-hmm. to do it correctly. And uh, I think now we can obtain that. So so we're going to be going into Otho over at Junior's Motel cool. to, to recut this album. And it's going to be, for the most part, the same album um, as what we put out back then. There's going to be some different things about it. But um, we're, we're kind of just concentrating on getting ready for that. Yeah. How many albums you guys got, Brutal Republic? Well, two officially, only one that we'll fess up to. You, yeah. You know, okay. I, All you, right. you know, so Full White Moon is, is really the first one into which I'm satisfied with. Yep. You, you know, uh, but we're sitting on about four albums worth of material oh. right now. Oh, dang. So, uh, I mean, we can keep busy, and, and I think in, after this album gets cut, we're, it's going to be short order that we put out another kind of uh, folkish album. Uh-huh. Um, that we'll probably be recording with uh, Brad Hoving from the Blue Ribbon Ramblers. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, we're keeping busy. Um, the The summer was pretty occupied. We we started up a project called the Reforge Initiative. All right. Here in town, and so it's kind of a community project. Um, and we started up uh, two scholarship, yeah. two scholarships to give out. Uh, yeah. Uh, this graduating year for. Uh, whether it be St. Edge or Fort Dodge, uh-huh. hi, um, under uh, Paul Reisner's name or Bill Kurt's name, which which uh, Paul Reisner was a drummer in a band I was in, Cheap okay. Drinks. All right, yeah, yeah. Um, he yep. was he was kind of the founding guy for that. Yep. Um, and Bill Kurtz was just this, you know, avid music lover, and, uh-huh. and he was a uh, essential part of the Lizard Creek Blue Society. Nice. Yep. Um, so Paul Reisner, we have a business scholarship going up for, and uh, Bill Kurtz, we have a music scholarship going up for. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so we raised funds for that. Yep. Um, and we're going to have a couple more the next year. So so we'll, we should have four scholarships out. Awesome. Um, by next year. That's cool. I, uh, I remember seeing those, those come up this last year. And, I mean, it sucks because normally I'd be all about donating money to something I want to see come to fruition but but i i'm in a spot in my life right now where i don't necessarily have the proper cash flow to go out and donate money because my cash flow is going backwards because i don't have a job so (laughs) so um unfortunate there but i i love the fact that you're doing something proper for the community and giving back um it's i'm sure it's not going unnoticed too uh do it doing god's work i don't know if you know spiritual or not but either way dude totally like uh you do you're doing the work that needs to be done out there um what else like have you let's see we need to talk about uh like lone tree revival you guys got any shows coming up with them the only, the only thing is just new year's new and year's that, 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 that yeah patty's pub that's all that's all we got booked right now that's gonna be stellar there there's gonna be a fundraiser I guess there's one. There's going to be a fundraiser we're doing in Humboldt uh, for the movie theater there. Oh, cool! Uh, to kind of uh, renovate it. Nice. So, yeah, because yeah. they. Uh, I mean, they were gonna 
sell that place off and it was just going to go away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was the thought behind it. But the city ended up buying it and starting yeah. a committee to uh, renovate it. And now the city, I think the city owns yeah, the, I believe the so. movie theater. If yeah. not, if not, the committee owns it. And yeah. So I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's in February. I, I couldn't tell you the date, it, but, but the fundraiser is going to be in February over at, uh, Rustics. All right. Um, all of your dates for Brutal Republic are on Facebook or yeah. Reverb yeah. Nation? It, uh, or Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. All right. Yeah, so it's pretty much updated. All right. You know, and, and that includes all um, acoustic gigs, too. Yep. So, so anything that's, you know, whether it be uh, full-on uh, Brutal Republic or, you know, acoustic. we'll go as Duo Republic or yeah. Acoustic, acoustic Republic. Republic. So, yep. so, so if it's Acoustic Republic, you're just showing up to see me singing yep. for four hours and yap at you, you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! So uh, Lone Tree Revival's got a Facebook page. Yep. Um, they got events on there. They list all theirs there as well. I think so. I don't run that one. All so. right. All right. So uh, I'll I'll find out. Um, I'll at least put a link to that and see if I can find any of their other information and put links to that. I appreciate that. Um, I'll snag some Brutal Republic links from you and share them in the description section below so everybody can go ahead and follow follow along with Jeremy and uh, the rest of the Brutal Republic gang and see what they're all going on. Um, anything else you really want to? Give a shout out to here while we're sitting here. I, I mean, there's all sorts of people I should, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the worst part about that is, is you start doing the shout outs and you leave some people off. Yeah. <laughs> and then next week you're just like, dang, I forgot all about this. You guy. know who you are. Yeah, you knew I should have mentioned you. So, well, heck yeah, man, we got about an hour or so under our belt right now, and uh, I'm really happy I got to sit down with you and talk to you a little bit about music and uh, you know what got you started and where you know how you got to where you're at right now because. Uh, I, whether or not you know it, there's a lot of people around here that look up to you, and uh, I just appreciate you doing what you're doing, and just just keep doing it, man. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm honored. Thank All you. All right. Well, appreciate it. Uh, Jeremy Ober, everybody. Thanks again. Thanks, brother. Hey, what everybody think about that one? I love that podcast. That's a good one. I've uh, been itching to sit down with Jeremy for a while. We've been kicking around the idea, and uh, just hadn't hadn't made ends meet quite yet. But I, I was really glad to sit down with him. Um, I never really got to sit down with him and talk to him too much, even though we kind of grew up in the same, somewhat in the same area. Uh, he's a fellow guitar instructor and a, and a damn good one too. I would definitely recommend anybody in the Northern Iowa area to uh, check him out as an instructor if they got kids or they themselves want to, you know, learn to play the guitar. Uh, he does all the teaching down at Eighth Note Music in Fort Dodge. You can uh, check them out online. Um, give him a call or whatever. Uh, Jeremy's a great guy. I, I love sitting down and talking to him. I did end up looking up a couple of his uh, band dates that he's got coming up. He uh, does have a show December 8th. That is actually this weekend, and it's in Iowa Falls, so everybody in the Iowa Falls area, go check him out. It's uh, Acoustic Republic. Uh, I believe that's just going to be Jeremy by himself with the acoustic guitar, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Um, he's also got December 14th and 15th. Uh, booked as well 14th he's in Fort Dodge and the 15th he's in Gilmore City uh, it's definitely worth looking out I'm, I'm just going off of the Brutal Republic Facebook page for all these dates so make sure you check Brutal Republic out on Facebook they also have a Twitter that is uh, updated via their Reverb Nation site I've got that um, in the description as well they also have an Instagram that's in the that's in the description uh, I got the Reverb Nation in the description I also did put uh, Lone Tree Revival they have a Facebook page. I got that in the description as well. 
you know, while you're out there cruising the internet, might as well double check that you uh, have liked and shared Audible Farm on all of your social media. Uh, just let somebody know that you think might enjoy it. I guess I'm, I mean, this is kind of a niche podcast, but I'm glad there's a lot of people that are enjoying it and, and taking to, um, I guess, what I'm doing here. I just I just want people to get to know the other people making music in their community. And, and Jeremy said it really well in the podcast. There's a lot of support going on right now. Um, not just in the north central Iowa area, but everywhere. And I'm, I'm, it's great. I, I love seeing it, and I just wanted to kick in any way I, I felt like I could. So I appreciate everybody listening. Um, we got people from Iowa, uh, Minnesota, Nebraska. Uh, there's still people from out of the country listening. There's some people in Canada and Ireland that listen to the podcast still. So I want to say thank you to you guys for listening in on this podcast. If you like the podcast, let us know online. We are all over the place. Um, I mean, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You, you'll find us. Just search for Audible Farm. I just want to th- say thank you one more time to everybody. Uh, keep checking out the podcast every single week. If you want to look for more podcasts that are made in Iowa, you can check out the Podcast IA website. And uh, they also have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that other good stuff. So check them out. Uh, they, they support all sorts of podcasts, including this very podcast right now that you are listening to. So I appreciate their hard work uh, creating a network for Iowa podcasters and uh, just you know supporting what I do by all the retweets and shares and likes and comments. So, so thank you guys. Appreciate that very much. I will catch you guys next week on the podcast. It's going to be a good one. I guarantee it.